Mr. Sunny so that I can get a look at you. I'm practicing for being a crone because that's my new life now because I'm old. I've got several job opportunities now. Crone, Mumra, or dead. It's good to get your practice in for whatever your old person voice is gonna be. I've been practicing mine for a while. I'm I'm going the route of of drunk old lady. I'm, well, I'm sort of going going this direction. This is where I'm going to settle in. I think somewhere around here. Once again, as a man, I need do nothing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you'll get a little. You'll sound a little tireder. You'll sound a little raspier. Uh, That'll be something, I'm sure. No, I'm pretty sure this is. Uh, I, it, yes, you're just you're just settling there. That's going to be your voice forever, is it? I was uh, I was Mr. Baby as a child, so oh. I, I have a feeling that yeah, that's what my aunt used to call me, Mr. Baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, Conrad, we needn't let that dream die. We can get some adult <laughs> diapers, and we can pres- we can repackage you as Mr. Baby. Like, you know, Paramount Plus always need more exclusives. Oh, yes. Yes, Paramount Plus. They they absolutely love to give <laughs> lots of money to... Actually, yes, let's do that. Let's do it. That's Mr. Brilliant. Baby, Thursday yeah. nights. Let's sign up for Mr. Baby on Paramount Plus. We'll get the money. We'll make the show. And then they'll cancel it as a tax write-off. And everybody gets away scot-free. Excellent. I don't know what the show would be. My My first thought is... It's just about people raising a baby, but mm-hmm. it's you, and you just sit there, and you never say anything, you never really <laughs> emote, you just stare forward blankly. No dialogue, nothing, mm-hmm. just sat there while all of this, you know, child care stuff goes on around me. Not to me, around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be 32 of the most distressing minutes Thursday night prime time has ever seen. <laughs> oh, I think we might run into trouble from the boss baby people, but uh, I think we can make it distinct enough. Yeah, I think so long as we keep well, you away from a corporate environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we keep you more domestic, I mean, <laughs> Rugrats might try to stake a claim, but... We can have you in certain careers that won't, like, you know, risk risk stepping on, on toes of legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steamboat Willie is now public domain, so we could dress you up with a pair of uh, big round ears, but you have to wear a hat. You have to be wearing the Steamboat Willie hat, otherwise otherwise that's illegal. I wasted no time. There are, there are pirate-themed Steamboat Willie stickers currently available for sale at mercenarycreative.com. Hey, reminder to anyone listening to this who's going to start doing stuff because... That one particular version of the mouse is now public domain. Must be wearing the hat, must not be wearing the gloves, cannot call it Mickey Mouse. It is Steamboat Willie, as I understand it. Well, I changed the hat. Okay, it's got to be, you've got to have a hat. You can't have just the the, plain, the empty head. That's, that's when you get into dicey trouble. Do you have to have the penis? Because every picture I've seen of Steamboat Willie in the past <laughs> several days has had a giant cock and... I didn't think I remembered that from the original, but it must have been there. Can we pack redeem that? Can I can I sell a t-shirt with that with a big dick on it with with a mouse? I'm pretty dick? sure Disney won't sue you if you put the big dick on it because they won't want to say that's our character Mickey Mouse. They'll go, that's not our character. Ooh. It's got a big penis. Could that extend to any Disney character? 
Could could I, I get like I, Daffy I wouldn't Duck? risk. No, Donald Duck. I wouldn't Duck. risk it, but like you could try. Goofy, <laughs> P- Mini Pluto. But the Donald Duck dick is going to be horrifying. Oh God, yes. How, oh, how does copyright extend to cloaca? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look. I've been sat trying to work out like what uses for Steamboat Willie there are that would be the most annoying to Disney. And I do like the idea of next time there is a licensed Disney video game, reviewing it as Steamboat Willie, and just tearing the shit out of how terrible a game it is while being Steamboat Willie. It seems fun. Like, there's, there's the, you know, there's the, there's the obvious That's ones. That's interesting. There's Steam- yeah. You have, like, Steamboat Willie be, be like, free, you know, uh, Free Palestine, etc. But, like, you gotta, you gotta come up with some creative stuff. Yeah, but here's the thing. The voice... Is Mickey because Steamboat Willie didn't talk? Would they get you right. if you tried to do the Mickey voice? If you were like, "Ho ho, free Palestine!" You do a legally distinct voice that's like, "I imagine Steamboat Willie might have sounded like, hello, I'm Steamboat Willie. I have a high pitched voice, but it's not quite that one. I'm not doing the laugh. You see, I think Podquisition's the best podcast. More like a Joe Pasquale. Yeah, something like that. Like Milky Way Magic Stars, free Palestine, like that. Yeah, like as as long as you go like. I, I think you could even get quite close to the Mickey voice as long as you start it by saying, Oh, I'm Steamboat Willie. I have a legally distinct voice. I'm not the voice actor for a certain Mickey Mouse. I'm a distinct character. Yeah. Yeah, you can't copyright claim a voice, can you? I don't think you could. Like, what if coincidentally that was my real voice? You yeah. Can't, you can't sue me for that. I've been putting on this fake voice the whole time, like, you know, to be professional on Pogposition, but like... Oh, this is my natural speaking voice. Ha-ha! Did Disney really sue children's wards at hospitals to make them change me? Oh, hell, hell yeah. I always grew up being told they were, and I wanted to idly repeat that information, but I wanted to make sure it was... Do they still do that? My understanding is yes. Amazing. <laughs> well, I think it's going to get more interesting as, as this goes on, because, like, they've abandoned copyright... Because, you know, because there's no way they could push that out further. So now it's going to be trademark violations yeah. that they're going to pursue yes. on people. Yeah, Steamboat um, Willie's going to be on so many hospital walls, though. <laughs> I'm oh. sure. I'm sure. My favorite realization I, ha- I had about the Steamboat Willie thing is... What's that? You can make legally distinct wearable Mickey ears because the ears are the same. Just make a detachable hat that goes in the middle. That you could clip onto the middle or could unclip. That's a whole market for fucking selling selling shit to Disney adults. Your Steamboat Willie hat with ears with removable hats. Steamboat Willie's iconic ears with hat accessory. Yeah, with with hat accessory that can be removed, obviously. Like shit like that. Like you gotta get creative about how you're gonna fucking undercut Disney. Indeed. (laughs) Did y'all have a nice holidays anyway? While I remember. I did fucking nothing for like two weeks. It was great. Excellent. I was sick. I heard you yeah, were real. You were real really rough. Fucking ill. It was fucking rank, and I'm still like not. I'm over the worst of it, but I've just my lungs are completely fucking ripped apart, mate. That 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 was me like a month ago. It's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. I'm I'm glad you survived it. I watched Barbie though. Yeah, that is a new entry in my list of like all like my favorite films. Genuinely that impressed with it. 
It is surprisingly good for a thing that you step back from it and go, yeah, it's a little beginner's feminism, and there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of points where you can see where the corporates kind of touched on it. But there's, I, I, I rewatched that the other night, and I forgot that that movie opens like two minutes in. There is a discussion of the fact that corporations should not have legal rights of of personhood, and like that that is a thing that like the courts should be trying to take away from corporations. Mm-hmm. That happens like two minutes into that film. I'm like, there's there's a couple of moments where that film's like pretty alright. The just the audacity of it. It it's one of those films where like every now and then I'm laughing not because anything was funny on screen, but because I've just remembered what I'm seeing. Like I've just remembered what was allowed to happen. And I I delight in it. <laughs> there's shots of the interior of Mattel being this corporate a like grey, depressing, high walled everyone I locked away in cubicle space. And I'm like, there's a few things here I'm 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 surprised you got away with. It's so stupid as well. Like e- even outside of anything like political that might might be going on. The premise is increasingly dumb. And they just stick with it to the point where like to like when you get to the point in the film when Will Ferrell just idly references a ghost having an office on the in the building, I yes. burst out laughing yes. because they were just hand waving away utter shit. I fucking adore it. It it will take itself very seriously, and then yeah, the the, the whiplash between certain aspects of that film is great. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful. I'm very glad. I'm very glad they acknowledged the. Uh, honestly fucking wild story of the tax avoidance of the creator of Barbie that Mattel does yeah. not like to talk about. <laughs> yep. Uh, I just, I'd only picked up a little bit about it before watching it. I knew I wanted to see it, but I was able to not know enough to just not guess where that was going to go as a film. Mm. Like, I thought it was just going to be a very typical sort of fish out of water toys come to real world thing. But that's only a brief bit of it, and then it just yeah. goes off the fucking rails. And Kate McKinnon's in it. Yeah, here's his, his a film about a mum that's like constantly having existential thoughts of death. That's that's fun, right, kids? But that's thrown in. Um, I fell in romantic love with Kate McKinnon because I also watched the 2016 Ghostbusters over Christmas, and I was surprised at how funny I thought that was. But I, I am in romantic love with Kate McKinnon now, and I'd just like to announce that on the show. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's very brave of me to say. Good knowledge of yourself there. Well done. Yeah. Of yeah. that crop of, of people who came out of Saturday Night Live in that season, she's probably my favorite, although I never watched Saturday Night Live, so I don't know. Like, she did the RBG, I think I saw that. I like Kate McKinnon a lot, and she was really good in that Ghostbusters, actually. Very good. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'll have to. I, I, we keep meaning to watch Barbie and then not because committing to a. 90 plus minute exercise in entertainment seems like too much for us, even though we'll then watch six episodes that are 40 minutes long of some nonsense reality show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do need to watch it. I'm really, really keen. We, we've had it for a while and just not, not gotten around to it. I also watched Evolution. <laughs> yeah. The, Wait the 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 the, the, the 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 one with the smiley face in the, the logo. The company movie, yeah, yeah. The 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 company film that was trying to like chomp on Men in Black. 
I have not watched that in probably 20 years. I remember very little. Oh, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget the uh, the wall-to-wall misogyny of that film. Yeah. It's incredible. The treatment of Julianne Moore's character is incredible. And the fact that the film just leads up to one huge anus joke is something I <laughs> only yeah. approve of. Vile film. Like, fucking vile. And I... Always wanted to watch it because I liked the logo. And I thought that's got to be a good film if it's a good logo. And it's not. And there isn't even any real cool monsters in it. You see like a few cartoons of like a dragon and a, a elephant thing. And that, no, the elephant thing was Fifth Element, which I saw on my birthday. But anyway, not a good film. It had a cartoon. I'd watched the cartoon before. I do vaguely remember there being a cartoon for Everything that. Everything had a cartoon like, the Godzilla 98 film had a cartoon, Men in Black had a cartoon. But by that point, I was, like, an adult-ish. Like, I was in college uh, yeah. when Evolution when evolution came up. So, um, I I never, I had no idea that God's, they, they did a, a Godzilla 98 It cartoon? was apparently quite good. Like, huh. it's well regarded. I did watch it back in the day. I haven't rewatched it since. I've I've included a, a clip of the intro sequence before on like my live stream like ad break videos, um, like the gym submissions. Right. But it it was apparently very very good. The the toy shop oh. where I got my Godzilla pinball table from, the guy who runs it is a huge kaiju guy, and he's also got the biggest collection of uh, Godzilla nineteen ninety eight stuff possibly in the world, easily in the world. Who else would have anything? I've probably got the second biggest at two items. Um, <laughs> but he's got, like, loads of fucking, like, Zilla shit, and including two prototypes that aren't for sale of action figures based on the 1998 Godzilla cartoon, which only I'm yeah. impressed by. But I'm very <laughs> impressed. I mean, I'm impressed. It's a cool shop. Cosmic Toys is a cool shop. I love a good comic toy shop mm-hmm. i really mm. do one yeah. that one that that's like a little bit messy and over cluttered oh yes. it's just got too much weird shit in it yeah that's a good time i love that one as well because his mum's at the shop a lot as well and she's always saying that i look nice she's really sweet oh yeah oh oh so, That's just what to into, say. Like... Just, just devolving <laughs> into some sort of frog chorus. Ah, <laughs> uh, before we get into talking about like stuff we played and things, I want to talk about a news thing that's happened. That like I've been, I've been fucking itching to talk about this mm-hmm. for the last couple of weeks because I think it's fucking fascinating, and I don't know how much either of you have been following it. Are either of you aware of the new development in? Nintendo getting fucked over because Switch emulation is getting way fucking easier. Uh, Despite it already being way too fucking easy. I don't think I've heard the very latest. Because I haven't had a message from you in a while showing me you doing something. Which is always a delight. I mean, look, here's here's the story. And this is like, this has been a wild fucking bit of update the last couple of weeks. So, about two weeks ago, Clip appears online of someone putting a Switch cartridge with an SD card slid into the side of it, into a Switch, and a game popping up on screen as having been an inserted cartridge. 
And the thing going around with this clip suggests this is a cartridge that is like weeks away from being on sale that will work on any switch of any model, uh, you know, hacked or not, uh, without any kind of modification, will just work. Uh, think like the R4 carts that existed for like the DS back in back in the day. Oh, Int- interestingly, they seem to believe that it will be unblockable by Nintendo. Something that they were kind of able to do with the, you know, they, they, there was a bit of a back and forth war trying to block R4 carts back in the day. And we have a bit more info about it. This thing is called the MIG Switch, and it's allegedly going on sale this month. And the reason that this is, like, fucking terrifying for Nintendo is it seems like it might genuinely not be detectable by Nintendo, because it's not like the R4 was, where it's like a, you know, you boot up a fake cartridge and you get, like, a list of games to select from. This is, you put it in and it it acts as the original cartridge for the game with the original cartridge's, like, signatures that say it's an official cartridge and, like, never boots into anything unofficial, and you swap games by, like, removing and reinserting the cartridge to, like, cycle through. Hmm. And the reason this thing seemingly exists is, do you remember there was that story of the big Nintendo Giga Leak, where, like, a bunch of source code for games and shit like that happened? Right. One of the things in there was technical specifications for how Switch cartridges are made and officially signed. Oh. Right. Okay, so there's slightly more to this. We've not quite gotten to the end of this. So, yeah, this sounds like really fucking bad for Nintendo because, you know, the Switch is really fucking easy to to hack, but it's kind of limited to, like, did you buy a Switch in the first, like, six to eight months of the system existing? This seemingly works on every system with no hacking required. <laughs> now... There's more to this story, because, like, you know, this is, like, vaguely interesting in the sense of, like, oh my god, Nintendo cannot release the Switch too fast enough for, like, preventing fucking piracy on on the thing. Like, that's the thing that I think is going to most make Nintendo hop ship to their new hardware as soon as they can. But there's some really interesting stuff when you dig into this about where this cartridge has come from. Uh, Because, do you remember Gary Bowser? Who got yep. arrested for a bunch of stuff to do with Nintendo piracy. Yeah. He, he he's out of jail now. He's you know, he's gotta pay like I think it's a third of his income for the rest of his life to Nintendo to try and pay him back like 14 million or whatever. Some people online have been sleuthing, and they think they may have found evidence that uh team team executor, I think it's called, um, the hacking team that Gary Bowser was a part of might be the people behind this new flash cart. Oh, God. And uh, Gary Bowser's email address shows up on having owned the website that is selling the flash cart at some point. Now, Gary Bowser vehemently denies any involvement in this, but I love <laughs> I would, the thought I that this... I love the... But I, I fucking love the thought that this man is so fucking brazen that he got out of jail for, like, enabling piracy with Nintendo and was like... I'm just gonna fucking up my game. What have I got to lose? Fuck it. Oh, I bet he's having a bad holiday. <laughs> yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. So, like, to to find like the specifics of like uh, where 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 these allegations that Gary Bowser's involved came from, 
there are DNS records for the uh, website and Twitter account that were like prom- initially promoting this thing's existence. And yeah, it really does seem like uh, back in September of last year, Gary Bowser owned this uh, site, which isn't, you know, a smoking gun, but it sure it sure doesn't look good for him. It does tie him in some way to it, yeah. He, he, is, into, he is tied in some way, shape, or form to a website that is now selling an even easier form of switch hacking. Amazing. So... Uh, yeah, I've I've been fascinated following this story because it's it it's got so many little pieces to it of like oh that giga leak is still having impacts, the timing of this right toward the end and like Gary Bowser's possible involvement. So yeah, N- Nintendo Nintendo's really just getting a worse and worse time right now for the Switch getting opened the fuck up. I just don't understand what the attraction is for people named Bowser to you know. Come at Nintendo. Really? Really? Yeah. You got Gary, you got Doug. Are there any more Bowsers out there that I don't know about? They grow up with the assumption. Years of, like, jokes about their name. Do you think they had any other choice? (laughs) Are are you talking nominative determinism? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got the Bowser name, you have to do something with it. I watched Across the Spider-Verse as well over the holidays. I was catching up on films that I hadn't watched throughout the year. And, like, I'm with the spot on this one. Like, eventually you get bottlenecked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have no choice but to just, like, do what society has has allowed you to by how you look and, and, and how you come across. And the surname that you were born with. Yeah, the Bowser's of the world. Either they bend the knee to the thing that has ruined their life, hoping that acceptance will allow them to move on, or they live up to their namesake. They break and and just think, fine, Cooper by name, I'll hack the switch. That's quite a tale. I'm, I, yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested in this cartridge. It seems like it is going to exist very soon. Um, the the one thing that like keeping an eye on it. It it seems like the certificates might be per cartridge, and as such, it might be a case if you have to play offline, because if you're playing online at the same time as someone using the same cartridge, right. rip, Nintendo might go, that is the exact same cartridge in two places at once. Ban them both. Yeah, but like when the Switch 2 comes out, so many people are going to just fucking keep their OLED Switch and stick this thing in it and put it offline. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is going to be... Uh, this is going to be a big thing. Oh yeah, no, so. my my uh, <laughs> I, I I might buy an OLED switch and stick this in my old switch and let that just live right there. I wouldn't. Into my I wouldn't TV. be surprised if that's where this thing goes. Yeah, uh, there's a reason these Bowsers are American. Mm. Any country with a yeah. royal family drowned. Everyone from a Bowser line in like the nineteen nineties. <laughs> the moment Mario like reached mainstream, got on the scene. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were looking after their princesses. <laughs> God, nineteen ninety two was a dark, dark time. I went to school with a Bowser. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Stopped turning up Oof. one day. I'm just saying, like Diana had a lot of blood on her hands too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, who's who's played stuff over the break? They want to chat about. Played a little bit of. Of stuff, nothing particularly new. I played a little bit of the Tekken Eight demo that was oh, available. 
Mm. Um, mainly because I saw there was some interesting accessibility stuff. Wait, um, really? Happening with that? I'm no good at Tekken. It's not one of it's not one of the fighting games I have any like real, no real love for that one in particular. But super neat to see that they're incorporating stuff like high contrast mode visuals, which is really cool. There is a there is a very interesting but potentially dangerous setting that is the reason I mainly picked it up to have a look at it. So the Tekken Eight demo has a number of like things in place for colorblind players. But one of the settings options they have is basically a black and white mode where each fighter basically has like a different direction, black and white diagonal effect to them uh, to sort of visually set them apart for people who are like completely zero color vision uh, to try and help be an additional option of how to make you know the game more more visible, and it is a very visually striking way of doing it. I've seen some people who have praised it as being really helpful for them, but it's also a fucking nightmare for photosensitivity um, because it is because these characters are moving around so quickly. It is effectively black and white strobing full screen, and. It it is a setting that is potentially really fucking dangerous mm. and that is not particularly labelled as be fucking cautious of this setting if you are photosensitive. There are people who have had really bad reactions to this setting existing. And having played around with it, I can see why it's useful. I can see that it clearly fucking needs some warning on it. Um, the Tekken creator has been talking about it and he seems to have like completely missed the point of what's where the problem potentially lies with it, in that he's basically gone, oh, this isn't the only colorblind mode, there are other colorblind modes for people who don't find this helpful for their colorblindness, and hasn't really acknowledged the, yeah, but it's also really dangerous for photosensitive people and you haven't really labelled that bit of it. So, yeah, I'm I'm super interested to see that, like, of, of the big fighting game series, like, Street Fighter has a bunch of accessibility considerations now. Uh, we saw... Mortal Kombat introduced like uh, audio descriptions last year. Tekken now introducing like um, um, like the sort of block color high contrast modes. It is really nice to see that most of the big fighting games are starting to pick up on some of the more common accessibility things and to start moving that direction. But yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this purely because like, hey, it's interesting, but be be a bit cautious with that Tekken demo if you pick it up. Um, that's a shame. Yeah, not a lot more to say about the Tekken demo other than that it feels like Tekken. There's nothing about this that that jumped out to me that wasn't just eh, it's, it's Tekken. Uh, what about you both? Have either of you been playing anything? Well, I did finish Grand Theft Auto V's main story. Uh, oh, yeah, I played yeah. Grand Theft Auto V because of you. That mm-hmm. was. The game I was predominantly... I usually just pick O games to play over the holidays. Um, and 5 ended up being it. It wasn't so much picked as I couldn't be bothered to do anything else. So, yes. Yeah. Very cu- I was very curious when you said before that you hadn't finished it. Um, what because you of the, of the, the choice. Stuff. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, when it, I was... I was surprised when it presented me with the choice of mm-hmm. who Franklin needed to eliminate. Um, mm. And 
there, there really wasn't any other choice besides um, fuck you as far as I could see for the character of Franklin. So that's the route I went. If it were me, uh, it'd be Michael. I'd kill Michael. I'd kill Michael in a second because, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. And I don't, I, 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 I don't, Trevor's not a dude I'd want to hang out with. But he's got a moral compass, and he, you know, isn't a snitch. <laughs> like, it's, if I have to choose between Michael and Trevor, Michael's going to go. Good read on it, really. Yeah. Mm. I mean, um, Michael is possibly the the worst one anyway, just in terms of, of someone I tr- trust. Oh, mm. yeah, no. Like, because Trevor might be, like, Trevor's horrific. and. Yeah. But if I had to like trust someone with something, I'd almost go with the 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 walking fucking like hell on earth versus the a guy as opportunistic and fucking scummy as Michael. They don't make him so opportunistic, at least at this like state in his character. Maybe he would have been more earlier. He seems more of a uh, well, this is the way out. But I I mean he. He does express the, you're going to use this person to get to this point, to this point. And the choices that Franklin are presented with in terms of who these people are and who they work with and what they represent, that contrast is interesting, but less important to me than the the personal element of Michael's just a piece of shit. And Trevor is is dangerous and a threat to untold unexpected people yeah. around him. You know, mm-hmm. I know Trevor is going to probably kill and harm people, but the way Michael's going to do it, given the opportunity feels worse. Yeah. But now I'm just, uh, I'm still picking it up and playing it a little bit here and there. Um, I have, all the properties and I'm waiting for them to give me missions. So I'm just driving around finding shit to do while I wait for it to tell me that I can go do a job for one of my businesses, which maybe happens once a week. So it's going to be a, maybe a long slog to do that shit. I don't know. I don't know if I've got it in me, but I want to earn enough to buy the golf course. Right. Mm, I, yeah. I just, I, I feel that compulsion. And while I could advance the game timer very arduously, like, I don't know, five years, probably do it, it's still a pain in the ass. I can't pool their money. You know, everybody's got 90 mil. Well, that's great. But I need 150 mil from one of you. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. the three separate money tracks is a bit... I I don't like fiddling even a little bit with games most of the time especially a game like that it's just too much like fucking around i ended up i always end up getting bored of like having goals like by the expensive locations like the golf course because i'm like you know what i just i'm not gonna get out what i put into this and there's a lot in that game that i will get out what i put in but Especially on the the replay I'm on now, I'm like 
there are whole vast sections of the game where I'm like, I am just not going to engage this time. I cannot yeah. be asked again. That philosophy mostly pertains to like anything involving planes and helicopters because they're they're just as bad as I remember. I fucking kind of. Well, I've always kind of liked Grand Theft Auto planes. Um, I, the helicopters are a bit fiddly and uh, can be a challenge. The thing I like about the helicopters in Grand Theft Auto is that they are more like helicopters, which I understand you're there to have a good time, and I don't fault anyone for being frustrated, you know, or think that that's invalid in any way. But the control of it is kind of like a remote-controlled helicopter, and I, I dig the fact that they decided to make make it that way bumpers to turn left and right <laughs> well that's uh, yeah. ow yeah that noise put you in your place well i mean you, you you can you can also you know tilt and accelerate if you want to turn i could just die conrad <laughs> how about that well that's I yes that's the risk that's that. the risk you that's the risk you take yeah. Not using the bumpers to turn right and left, isn't it? Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad. Mm. The controls are so weird. Like, it's not just that. There's other bits, too, where it's just this is so weird. Going there are back... things about it that are super weird. Yeah, I uh, the the guns, just combat in general, uh, yeah. and, and getting adjusted to sprint on A, you know? Mm-hmm. Trying to shoot a gun while driving. Oh gosh, yes, that, I've I finally got the hang of that again. But it, it's it's a horrible curve. Y- you are pretzeling a little bit um, on the controller, trying to get all three of your forefingers mm-hmm. uh, doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. dreadful. But I'm still playing it. Well, that's just you it. Know. Like they. They could change none of these things in Grand Theft Auto 6, and I would probably still play and enjoy it. That's yeah. that's what frustrates me, is that they really don't have to evolve it. Uh, they just have to make good content surrounding what they have, and I'm still going to be interested. Plus, they seem to change the radio every time I go back to the game, so that's always a treat. Oh, are they change? Do they change the radio? I don't know. I think they updated it a, like with one of the big re-releases at some point, and like added mm. a bunch of shit and like changed stuff. But either that or, or the soundtrack is just so huge at this point that I am playing now for like at least the third full time, thinking, "Oh, I've never heard this song in this game before," and it's one I like. I didn't listen to any music while I played it. Oh, of course not. Yeah, because you were streaming it. For you know, a lot of it I was streaming, but I played a lot of it on my own at home too. And I just mm. turned the music off. I don't know why I wasn't compelled by it. Interesting. The San Andreas soundtrack is, I mean, it, it contributes to part of why I think it's the best Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, like to me, the soundtrack of any GTA is a big part of the experience to me. Right. Like, I marry so many of those songs, or so much of the GTA experience, to certain songs. Oddly, though, I don't have any memories of that from GTA 4. Hmm. 
I mean, I know it happened. I'm sure it happened, but I can't remember any of it now. I mean, a lot of GTA 4 is a is a blur. I don't want to drive around Liberty City, right? Yeah. If I'd wanted to drive around Liberty City, I would have kept my car when I moved to New York. <laughs> Fair point. It's not a place that's, you know, conducive to driving. And so the experience of playing a GTA set in Liberty City is not that appealing to me. San Andreas, by contrast, that is a place purpose-built for automobiles from the moment it was born. Um, and Miami is, you know, there's there's definitely a better driving experience in Miami, although it's not that much better. The whole Eastern Seaboard can fuck off. Vice City, I'll probably have, have fun with that, but I just I don't like Liberty City, and so that could be part of why I don't have those. I would rather get out and walk. <laughs> I took the, the cab a <laughs> lot in GTA 4. Grand Theft Auto Series, two ELO songs on the radio stations. Rock Band and Guitar Hero, not one between them. Wow. You tell me who deserves to go to the biggest jail in the land. <laughs> It is Nick Chester. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was thinking about Nick the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, love that man. Former boss of ours, listeners, if you don't know, Manny Conrad, uh, ended up working at Harmonics. Well, and then, and then yeah. Epic. Oh, shit, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, he was, he was working that Fortnite crest. Mm. Um, and, then, uh, and now he's, he's at some, some smaller company he left he left epic last year i think or the year before okay yeah it's there's too much radio in gta 5 i think i think that's part of why i didn't listen to it yeah west coast classics and i think kiss which is like the more uh pop oriented older music those two stations are attractive to me but as a person who hasn't really like paid attention to popular music trends in 15 or more years. None of this is recognizable to me in any way. <laughs> and so it's just, I have no connection to the music pre-existing. And so that GTA effect isn't hitting me in the way that like the score. Well, they've got the rock station. It's got Billy Squire on it and um, other bands like that. Mm -hmm. And then the pop one. You know, it's got All Saints on it. Come on. Who are All Saints? <laughs> they're some new band. They're still rel they're still like like fairly recent, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know when they last did anything. No, they're oh. still recent. They're one of the upstarts like S Club Seven. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I've been having fun recently telling people ten years younger than me that they're going to live to see a day where Green Day is obscure. My in-laws are thinking about going to see Green Day in concert, <laughs> and and we were both like, "Yeah, you should do that. Everyone that's there will be old." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's been a wild experience going to concerts in my forties for bands that I was into in my twenties. We went and saw Skinny Puppy. Mm. Ooh. Oh boy. Oh boy, that crowd was old. The sad part was we were standing outside and there was another guy uh, walking past me who was about my height and build, also wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt. 
Okay. And I was just like, oh, God, Th- this is it. This is just where the old people like me are congregating tonight. This is, this is where we came to. It was very sad. Oh, it's fun, though. The, the fun thing about going to concerts like that is when the people bring their kids. That's adorable. There was a, a guy who brought his, like, 16-year-old daughter with him to see Skinny Puppy. And she was so into it. It was kind of great. Someone on the internet called me a gilf. And I'm sorry, but MILF covers 40s. <laughs> it covers the 40s. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, unless you're, in, unless you're actually in the pornography industry, 40 is still MILF territory. And I still have people convinced I'm in my 20s, so I'm I'm not having it. Yeah, you could start working that gilf porn in your 40s, but, uh, yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I literally look too young. My skin is so soft it keeps people on Molly occupied for hours. I learned that New Year's Eve. <laughs> oh, anything will keep people on Molly occupied for hours. <laughs> I was up against arts and crafts, Conrad. I beat arts and crafts. <laughs> you played anything else, Steph? Uh, the only other thing I've played this week, um, and it is something else, is Midnight Suns. Well, I say I played it this week. I played it last week. Um, but we were off for a week because I was fucking ill. And I am no longer playing Midnight Suns. That was brief. I, it's so boring. I got so bored. The card game shit is so tedious. And the bit that everyone said was good, I can't stand. The whole, oh, you you come for the card game and you stay for all, like, the relationship building and, like, going on a date with, with, like, fucking Captain Marvel or going eat a pizza with Wolverine and all of that shit. The writing is so bad. Between Doctor Strange and Iron Man alone, the, the, the tortured quipping exhausted me within an hour. I came to that game opposite thoughts to what you've apparently been told. I agree with you that it's very specifically quippy and like often that can kill the pace between the gameplay. I, I really like the card, the card gameplay. Yeah. But I get it's not going to be for everyone. <laughs> I mean, I like the bare basics of it, but... There's just something so slow about it. It's kept me a bit more engaged than the horrible dialogue. But there's something in it that's just missing. And I, I quite like deck buildery strategy things up to a point. If they're too complex, I'm too stupid. But I loved, like, Metal Gear Acid. Metal Gear Acid, Metal mm. Gear Acid 2 on the PSP. I was a big fan of that. The PSP actually had a couple of... Um, interesting deck builder strategy games Mm. so i don't dislike them but there's something about this one that feels so i think it's because i've played enough of these deck games on mobile Mm. specifically marvel ones i used to make a point of checking them out because i knew there'd be fodder in there for like the shittiest games of the year lists that i do at the end of each year and i've not been wrong Marvel mobile games are fucking despicable. Like, they are honing. And they've been doing it without a lot of people paying too much attention. They have been taking the Raid Shadow Legends kind of stuff. They've been honing the art of providing as little gameplay as possible for as much money as possible. 
And there's so much of that I'm seeing in Midnight Suns that I think that might have been part of it, that I was a little less forgiving because it's reminding me of too much awful shit. But there is just something else about it where I'm like, this is just sl- slow. I and, and I, after I'm done with just one mission, I'm not that excited about going and doing another one. As someone that like genuinely like really loved that game despite its problems, I do want to tell you my two biggest problems with that game uh, in terms of its narrative. The things that really bothered me. First, they are far, far, far too afraid to let your creator character get at all close to any of the canon characters. Mm. And I want to give a really good example of like how much they go out of their way to force not letting you properly interact with those Marvel characters. There is a point in this game where the some of the characters can establish a book club and meet up for little book club discussions. And I genuinely thought those book club discussions were pretty charming in the in the way they were written. But at one point, you know, your creator character can go, hey, uh, I'd like to suggest a book for book club. And they're like, yeah, but you you were last alive like a thousand years ago or whatever. Like, what, what are you going to suggest for us to read? The next week, fucking, like, Blade or someone suggests Sung Soon's The Art of War. And apparently, like, that's a perfectly fine suggestion for the book club, but you, having been a thousand years old or whatever, like, you can't suggest a book for book club. But they will read The Art of War. That's fine. And B, and this is... This game's been out a while. I don't feel bad talking some mechanical spoilers about the functional way that the final boss fight is set up. And I will be fairly vague on this, but for a game that is entirely conceptually about we cannot do this alone, we need to team up together, we need allies, we need to get everyone cohesive, everyone is important in this fight, to have your final boss fight essentially be... Yeah, we've made we've made your creator character a, a hundred times more powerful than any of the other party members. So literally anything that they do is fucking meaningless. You are the only character strong enough to do anything. Completely fucking undercuts the point of that game. It's such a weird fucking note to end on. And this is like, as someone that liked the game, those two problems are really stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will never be able to speak for the end bust because I am never getting that far. Yeah, I get the impression that's the case. That's why I don't feel bad yeah. talking about it. But I don't think I'm going back. I I was playing it the other day. I played it for a couple hours and I just stopped for a moment and reflected and just thought, I'm not having fun. And so I just stopped. Like, no hard yeah. feelings even. It was just, yeah, I, I, I'm getting nothing out of this. So I stopped, which is a shame. Uh, but, you know... I'm glad I waited until it was uh, silly cheap. And I guess I played enough to to at least sort of make up for that entry fee. But I am disappointed having heard so much about the positive aspects. Because I I just had no idea that those aspects were so poorly written. Yeah, and that was that. I haven't really been doing much else outside of those two. Well, in that case, should we talk a little bit about some other bits of news while yeah. we're here? Yeah. It's not been a lot, because it's been the festive period, but we got, we got a couple of stories. Uh, Square Enix isn't giving up on their AI bullshit yet. Uh, we, we got more updates that they're still fully <laughs> invested in that being the future. Ugh. 
what's his annual letter thing where he, you know, yeah, well, this is like the new holiday tradition. Every year, the president of Square Enix comes out of his hole and makes some terrible pronouncement. Instead of the Queen's speech, we have the president's dump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is CEO of Square Enix, Takashi Kiryu, has done his annual letter, and once again, he's like, AI, that's the fucking best. Artificially, back up for a second. I thought okay, NFTs okay. were the best. I thought we were dumping everything into the blockchain. Well, well, you know, but both are we things still could dumping everything best. into the blockchain? Well, we'll we'll see. We'll Ooh, see. We'll okay. get there. We'll let him. We'll let him speak. We'll let him speak. Artificial intelligence and its potential implications had, for some time, largely been subjects of academic debate. However, the introduction of ChatGPT, which allows anyone to easily produce writing or translations or to engage in text-based dialogue, sparked the rapid spread of generative AIs. I believe that generative AI has the potential not only to reshape what we create, but also to fundamentally change the process by which we create, including programming. <laughs> I'm so glad I've got Monday sorted out. I was like, right, holiday's over, back to doing normal videos. What am I going to do? Oh, wait. I haven't looked at the president's dump yet. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exciting. He thinks that there's potential for writing and translating and programming in AI with AI. That those are all wonderful. It's horrifying. I've said it before on this show. I am a writer. It's what I've always wanted to do. Like out of everything I do in my current job, it's my favorite thing to do and it's the thing I always want to do is write. And seeing the threats to writers insultingly presented to writers, because as I've said before, I find I find it offensive that they think that this generative shit can come close to what uh, an like original human thought. And the fact that it's all regurgitated human thought anyway just makes it sting all the more. It's it's fucking ghastly. It is so ghastly. I'm also just I'm not convinced of the economics. Mm-hmm. The sheer amount of computing power required to execute AI requests is... I, I, I don't think it's going to work. I, 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 I think the build-up... How are they going to make this profitable? Like, OpenAI and ChatGPT are only existing in, in the way that they are still because they have a shit ton of venture capital keeping that afloat and allowing them to expand. Yes, they're charging subscriptions, but I don't see it. And, I, and, and it, it is blockchain all over again, because that's kind of the dirty little secret of blockchain, is that it is fucking expensive to hmm. write to the blockchain over and over and over again. You know? So, I don't see it. I I think they're fucking nuts and this is just an who has money in these ai companies that's what i was about to ask like it it's clear that the same mentality driving ai's like evangelism is the same that drove nfts it's often the same people uh it's all the same vernacular it's it's all part of the same scam it is the same grift and it does make me think, it, it makes me ask the exact same question I asked when Ubisoft and Square Enix and a bunch of others were pushing NFTs, how many of these game execs have put their money in this shit? Who bought into the scam and are now trying to initiate the next phase of that scam? 
which was all the push for NFTs was. It was trying to rope the dopes in. The other thing I will note, I watched a video the other day that was kind of interesting uh, from a YouTube channel called Doug Doug, and the video was called I Forced ChatGPT to Make a Sequel to Snake. And this was just trying to make ChatGPT program something very basic, the game Snake. It eats the dots, it gets longer, etc. The amount of work that was required to fix the code that ChatGPT was was spitting out, and the number of times it just like hallucinated things that do not exist in code. Like, Square Enix, you have programmers on stuff. You should not be using fucking generative AI to, to do fucking programming. Even for a basic task, you're gonna just have to hire those programmers to fix the fucking generative AI code. Just fucking... Pay people to do work that are good at the work. As I understand it, these AI models can be useful for small bits of code that are, you know, for a very specific purpose. You know, telling one to make a sequel to Snake, yeah, that's probably what you're going to wind up with is a mess. But I, I've spoken with a number of people who, who code and do use AI to get snippets. But you know what it's good for getting snippets for? Snippets you could find on Google. Sure. It's snippets that programmers have already written that you could find on Google. That's what it's good at finding. I mean, the, that's the problem with anything that companies like this and, and sort of tech evangelists are always trying to push is, you're exactly right, Conrad, it has its uses, but the tech industry overall is always constantly looking for, like, the cure-all pill. Yeah. So they will treat everything like it's the second coming. I have complained about this in games, but it's clearly true of just tech in general. It's an industry obsessed with death. You can't just have an iteration of something. It's got to kill something. Mm. You can't just present yeah. some like new technology or new idea, be it like, or even like a game genre. I've seen them have to present like gameplay mechanics as killers of something else. Single player is dead. Mm. This genre of games is dead. Mobile gaming is dead. And then, and then it goes the other way. This thing, this thing is dead. But this thing is literally everything. This is the answer to everything. I remember this, like, when I was sort of fairly new in games media, 3D was having hmm. one of its several turns, one of its several <laughs> cracks of the whip. There was a huge push for 3D in, like, the early 2010s, late 2000s. Um, and it was everyone calling it the future. It's a the future. Everyone's going to have a 3D TV. It can't just be a future. Yeah. Is the thing. Do y'all have 3D like TVs just installed normally at yours at the moment? No. 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 I did have a TV at one point that was 3D. And then I didn't. And we, we, we're seeing this on a more harmful level. Because saying 3D is the future, that's one thing. Saying NFTs or AI is the future. Something that is... In the hands of many people, being gleefully wielded to destroy artists, to push creative people out of spaces, that's just gruesome to say. Yeah. Especially because I've seen so many things in the, in the gaming and tech centre presented as the death of something. And now we, we've stopped applying that to concepts. And now they're applying it to humans. This is the death of artists. This is going to replace them. This, is, this will replace writers. This will replace artists. And like I said in a Inquisition last year, this idea of machines doing all of the labour was great in the Jetsons, but in a world where we're all still expected to work, 
We can't just all have our jobs taken away and have nothing there. Uh, just just to finish that story, uh, Conrad, you'll be excited to know he he does he does still mention the blockchain. Oh, don't don't worry, Yay. don't worry. It's the blockchain's still there. In terms of new business domains, we previously identified three focused investment fields, namely bo- blockchain entertainment, Web 3.0, AI, and the cloud. That's four things. I don't know if you can count. Uh, Last year, we redefined our overarching mission and goals for these three fields. We're currently working to modify our organizational structure and optimize our resource allocations to support these efforts. So yeah, not not giving up on any of that shit yet. Okay. Still, they didn't... I, 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 I remember him being so much more enthusiastic this time last year. Yeah, he's, he's not as loud about it because there's something new that he can tell investors this is the new thing mm-hmm, we're going to mm-hmm. fucking do. Mm-hmm. We've got one other story this week that's probably worth bringing up. This is a fun one. Bobby Kotick's decisions made our video games worse, says former Call of Duty developer. Shocking. Yeah, someone who used to work as a programmer on Call of Duty uh, did, did, did some social media posts the day that Kotick was finally not at Activision Blizzard King. Basically saying, Kotick's decisions made the games they were making worse. I worked on Call of Duty for two years as a programmer at Demonware. Bobby's decisions made our games worse. In my first month, it came out he threatened to have an employee killed. In the all-hands, all-staff meeting that followed, no one wanted to speak first, so I demanded his firing in front of everyone. I get that I'm very loud and very annoying, and that with my seniority and ease of opportunities, that affords me certain protections to safely do such things. But you all need to get on board this train. We need to revolt against people like this every time. I'm like, hell fucking, hell fucking yeah. Get get, get loud and angry about Kotick being shit. This person goes on to basically be like, look, I was in a position, I had other job opportunities available as well, so I could stand up and do that. But, you know, be loud and be annoying in these meetings because people like Kotick make games worse and make it dangerous to workplaces. Fucking... Have a shout at them. No. Executives only make content better, and The Escapist has a great flagship show now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this led to other people. There's a bunch of other people who chimed in. A lot of people agreed with the sentiment of, yeah, Kotick, Kotick made it a terrible place to work and actively like worked against the best interests of the people who knew how to make the games. So... Kotick, he wasn't even good at making games happen. The thing that allegedly he's paid all that money to facilitate. Yeah, I mean, I have asked in several videos, what does he do? What 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 does he actually do? Uh, apparently, not make games better. <laughs> we've never we've never heard of a positive decision, like a positive contribution he's ever made to the company. He's just sat there while it got rich. What more do you want from him? I mean, executives. There's enough evidence now, like literal evidence, that executives make things worse. Like, executive meddling is a term for a reason. So yeah, yeah, it it makes... It's no surprise whatsoever that Bobby Kotick has had a direct detrimental effect on the video games that his company publishes. Yeah. So that's that's it for the news. It's pretty quiet, because, you know, everyone's buggered off for the holidays. Uh, I think think that's about it. All right, then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we are. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, then. Thank you, everyone. Um, apologies for not having a show last week. Like I said, I was very ill. I had to take it off, especially since it was the holidays. It's, it was as good a time as any to be like, let's just please not. But that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff for people to look at and hear and, and, 
absorb, uh, as I'm sure Laura could could attest. Yeah, yeah, there's stuff you can check out. Uh, you can find all of my stuff at Laura K Buzz wherever you happen to find things on the internet. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, as little as a dollar a month over there lets me keep putting stuff out on the internet. Uh, Mastodon, Blue Sky, all all of the places. Um, there's a couple of articles that I did that you can currently read over on Overkill.wtf. Um, one talking about the Lenovo Legion Go, one talking about accessibility improvements that need to happen with the Switch successor that's inevitably happening this year. Um, other than that, it might be this week, it might be next week, I've got a big video about um, accessibility stuff in the game industry that needs to become standards in the 12 months that are coming up coming up ahead of us, so uh, look out for that over on YouTube. What about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Instagram and Blue Sky. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda, including the Pirate Steamboat Willie sticker and uh, the official Jimquisition merchandise, such as the Pound in It shirt, over at mercenarycreative.com and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fist shark and you know who else has a Patreon it's Stephanie Sterling that is true patreon.com slash jimquisition uh, which pays for this show and the jimquisition and reviews on thejimquisition.com my next wrestling date is January 13th I will be back in Leeds for True Grit Wrestling that's at True Grit Wrestle on social media Come check me out if you want. I will be part of the True Grit Rumble, so that should be a good, fun match. Uh, other than that, uh, nothing else officially public yet, I don't think. So, yeah, January 13th, that's my next wrestling date, and we will see you all here next week regardless. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 <laughs>